the week before I started college, all the way back in the fall of 2000, the school that I attended, Georgetown College, had their week of freshman orientation. Now, part of the reason why they did this freshman orientation was to give new students the opportunity to move into their dorm rooms and get settled in before the upperclassmen came in a week later. And part of the reason why they did this orientation was so that new students could figure out where their classes were and start learning their way around campus. But the biggest reason why they did this week of orientation so they, was so that new students could get the chance to get to know each other a little bit better and start making some friends before the fall semester got underway. Now, what this means is that since the biggest goal of freshman orientation was for new students to get to know each other, we ended up playing a lot of icebreaker games during that week. And icebreaker games are kind of like dad jokes. You either love them or you hate them, but they do have a way of breaking some tension and making things a little bit more lighthearted. So I spent a lot of time during my week of freshman orientation playing these icebreaker games, games like Two Truths and a Lie or Have You Ever or trying to unravel the human knot. But for my favorite game that we played during the course of that week, they got all of the students together and divided this up into groups of six people. And for this particular icebreaker, your group was supposed to come up with as many things as you possibly could that everyone in your group had in common. And the group that had the longest list of common areas or interests or whatever would win a gift certificate to a local pizza place. Because I'm so old that when I went to college, stores didn't even have gift cards yet. Go figure. But, you know, when, when you're a college student, getting free pizza is almost as good as somebody actually giving you money. So everybody was really excited to play. But there was one catch when it came to this particular game. And the catch was you could not count anything that you had on your list if another group wrote down the same thing on their list. So if your group wanted to win, and again, we were college kids, we all wanted to win because they were giving away free pizza with this. It meant that you couldn't rely on those typical things that groups come up with when you're trying to find common areas of interest. So you weren't going to win if you said that everybody in your group was a freshman or that everybody in your group was a college student or that everybody in your group finished up high school earlier that year. You also weren't going to win if you said that everybody in your group had ten fingers or ten toes or two eyes or two ears or anything along those lines. If you wanted to win, you had to be a little bit more creative. And that meant that you actually had to spend some time together talking to the other people in your group, trying to figure out those strange and unique things that you all had in common to put onto your list. So for my group, we started out by talking about things like TV shows that we all watched or books that we had all read or music that we all listened to. But we pretty quickly realized that the groups around us were having those same kind of conversations, so we knew that that wasn't the ticket to winning these, this gift certificate to a pizza place. So my group decided at that point we needed to get a little bit more creative. So instead of talking about the TV shows that we all watched, we realized that everyone in our group was able to name the main characters from the classic cartoon Scooby-Doo. Right? You got Scooby and Shaggy and Fred and Velma and Daphne. And instead of talking about books that we had all read, we realized that everyone in our group knew the opening line to A Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And instead of talking about music that we had all listened to, we uncovered, discovered the fact that everyone in our group knew the theme song to the 1990s classic sitcom, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. 
and yeah, the leaders of the group made us prove that we all knew the lines, every word, to the opening song of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So I can tell you that working inside of that group is a, is a great memory that I have. I can also tell you that I will never forget having to stand up in front of a couple of hundred of my fellow freshmen in college and having to rap the theme song to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But what I really learned from this icebreaker activity is just how much diversity there was in that incoming group of freshmen. Because in that group, we had people that were from at least 12 different states, and we had people that were there from a handful of different countries. We had people in that incoming class that spoke multiple languages, and we had people that played multiple musical instruments. We had people that had come from different faith traditions and different financial backgrounds. So there was a lot of diversity in that room. But most of all, what that icebreaker helped me to realize was that there may be plenty of things that divide us, but there's so much more that unites us. There are plenty of things in this world that can divide us, but there's so much more that should unite us. You know, that same thing is true when it comes to the church. Now, we all know that Melbourne Heights isn't the biggest church around, but there is still a lot of diversity inside of our congregation. As I look around this congregation today, I can see people in our, in our church right now who have been retired for decades. But as I think about the kids in our church, I realize that some of them are still decades away from even beginning their career. We have people inside of our congregation that have only ever lived in the city of Louisville, Kentucky. But we have other people in our congregation who have called another dozen cities or towns or whatever home over the years. And we have people that worship with us online regularly who have never even been in the city of Louisville, Kentucky. We have people that are a part of this church who have been a part of this church practically since we were founded more than 60 years ago. But if you're worshiping with us for the very first time today, you haven't even been a part of Melbourne Heights for 60 minutes yet. So there's a lot of diversity in our church. But take just a second and stop and think about how diverse the global church is. If we have diversity inside of a relatively small congregation, how much more diverse is the global church? How much diversity is there among those of us who call ourselves Christian, who follow Jesus? Because you realize the statistics tell us that there are about 2.6 billion people who identify themselves as Christians in our world today. About 158 countries in our world right now have Christians making up the majority of their population. The Bible has been translated in its entirety into 700 different languages, and portions of the Bible have been translated into another 2,500 different languages. And in the United States of America alone, it's believed that there are about 200 different Christian denominations. That's a lot of diversity. And that's only scratching the surface of just how diverse all 2.6 billion of us who follow Jesus really are. And when you start to try to think about just how diverse followers of Jesus are, how much diversity there is in our faith, it's a little hard to believe that there could possibly be anything that would bring all of us together. But even though it is hard to believe that there could possibly be anything that would ever unite us and bring us all together, there actually is. And in the scripture passage that I want us to take a closer look at today, 
we're going to see what it is that is able to bring us together in spite of all of the diversity and differences we have. We're going to see what it is that can bring us together, even though we may speak different languages or live in different places or be a part of a different denomination. So if you've got a Bible close by, let me encourage you to grab it, or if you've got an app on your phone, open it up to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and this is going to be a pretty familiar story for many of us. But as you're finding Acts 2, let me tell you just a little bit more about the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is basically kind of a history book. It's going to tell us how our faith in Jesus grew and spread in the decades after Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. And in Acts chapter 2, what we're going to see is kind of the event that helps kickstart the spreading of our faith. So let's take a look at Acts chapter 2 together. And I want us to start reading in verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, when Pentecost day arrived, they were all together in one place. They meaning Jesus' disciples. Suddenly a sound from heaven, like the howling of a fierce wind, filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When they heard the sound, a crowd gathered, and they were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. They were surprised and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all the people who are speaking Galileans, every one of them? How can each of us hear them speaking in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, as well as residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the regions of Libya, bordering Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the mighty works of God in our own languages. They were all surprised and bewildered. So the passage that we just read. That is the story of Pentecost. And at the beginning of this story, we're told that all of Jesus' closest friends, his closest followers, his original disciples were all together in one place. And these are the same disciples that were there just a little bit earlier on when Jesus had ascended into the heavens. So you've got to figure that as they're sitting around in this shared room, that they're still replaying the words that Jesus had spoke to them just before he ascended into the heavens. They had to be replaying those last words where Jesus told them, you guys stay here in Jerusalem. Don't leave until God sends you what God has promised to send you. Don't leave Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, what you may not realize about this story is that the disciples are far from the only people that are in Jerusalem when the day of Pentecost rolls around. You actually have people that have come from all over the world to Jerusalem to celebrate the religious festival of the weeks. Now, the festival of the weeks is a commemoration or it's a celebration of when God gave the people of Israel the Torah or the law just a few weeks after they had escaped from slavery in Egypt. So you have people from all over the world who have come together into Jerusalem to celebrate the festival of weeks. And that's kind of the point that Luke, the author of the book of Acts, wants us to pick up on here. He wants us to understand that it's not just the disciples that are here, but there is this huge group of people from all over the world who are in the city of Jerusalem. 
Now, Luke could have just told us that, right? He could have just said, and there were people from all over the world who had come together into Jerusalem. But he actually takes it one step farther. And instead of just telling us that people from all over the place had come together to celebrate the Festival of the Weeks, he gives us a list of all of the places and cities and regions that they had come from. Luke tells us that there were Parthians and Medes and Elamites, as well as residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, that they were people there that were from Pontus and Asia, from Phrygia and Pamphylia, from Egypt and the regions of Libya, bordering Cyrene, and that there were people that were visiting from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, as well as Cretans and Arabs. And when you go through that whole list, that doesn't mean a whole lot to us today, does it? I mean, that just sounds like a big, long list of random places. So when we read at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, it feels a whole lot like when you run into one of those genealogies in the book of Genesis that tell us about who begat who. Those names just don't mean a thing to us. But what we need to remember whenever we run across a list of places or even just a mention of a city or town in the Bible is that the people that the Bible was originally being written for, the people that Luke was writing the book of Acts to, the, the names of these cities and towns and regions it would have meant something to those people. When they read that list or heard that list of 15 different places, towns, or cities, those names, those city names, those place names would have meant something to them. So let's take a little bit of time and see if we can get a better understanding of what these places are that Luke mentions here. So the first thing that I can tell you is if you were to pull out a big old map and you were to plot the, the location of all 15 of the places, the cities, the regions that Luke mentions here, that you would pretty quickly realize that they go as far to the east as the border of modern-day India, and they go as far west as the very tip of the boot in, in Italy. They go as far north as the Caspian Sea. They go as far south as going down into Egypt. And they are scattered all over the map. You've got places that are in modern-day Europe, in the Middle East. You've got places that are down in Africa. And you've got places that have spread all the way to India. And if you spend much time thinking about the Roman Empire, which according to social media, a lot of people actually do, believe it or not, but you would realize that the, that the places that are mentioned here, when you pinpoint them on the map, they spread farther than the boundaries of the Roman Empire did when the day of Pentecost came. But that's not all that there is to this list. Inside of this list, there are also two different empires that are mentioned here. There's the Roman Empire, which we're all familiar with, but there's also the Empire of Parthia. And the Parthians and the, and the, the Romans have been fighting for about a century by the time that the day of Pentecost rolled around. Inside of this list, you get to read about major metropolitan areas, but you also read about relatively small towns. You can read about cities that were important political powers, but there's one region in this list that is so insignificant and minor that it's simply referred to as being Asia Minor. In this list, there are great seaports, successful seaports, but there's also plenty of rich and lush farmland. There are friends and there are enemies. There are staunch allies and uneasy alliances. In this list, there are big cities, there are small towns, there are big fish, and there are plenty of small ponds. So when the people that Luke first wrote this book to ran across this list of 15 different places, cities, regions, it would have been almost impossible them for, for them to imagine a more diverse list of places. It would have been almost impossible for them to imagine 
that anything could have brought people from all of these different places together. Let's just face it. It seems like there is nothing on earth that possibly could have bridged the gap that would have been in this diverse crowd that gathered on the day of Pentecost. These people, they were just from too many different places. They spoke too many different languages. They liked to eat different food or to listen to different music. They told different stories. They had different values. So it seemed impossible that anything could bring them together. But on the day of Pentecost, they were together. They were standing in the streets together, listening to the disciples speak. Even though these people came from a bunch of different places. Even though these people spoke a bunch of different languages. Even though there were old people and young people and people everywhere in between inside of this crowd. Even though there were people who liked different foods and listened to different music. Even though they told different stories. Even though they valued different things. They had all come together. But how? How did that happen? When everything in the world said that these people were just too diverse to ever come together. When everything said in the world said that these people should only be divided from each other. When everything in the world said that these folks should all just go their separate ways. How were they all united? How did they all come together? Well, I'll give you a hint. It's what we've been talking about over the last few weeks here at Malvern Heights is we've worked through our ghost story sermon series. Now, throughout the series, I've told you that we're not looking at stories about spooky specters or supernatural beings. No, throughout the series, we've been talking about stories that involve what the King James Version of the Bible refers to as the Holy Ghost, what we more commonly refer to today as the Holy Spirit. So what is it that unites all of these people? What is it that brings all of these people together? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what bridges the gap and brings all of these people on the, together on the day of Pentecost. We're told that on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit comes down on the disciples like a roaring fire, like a raging wind, and that the Holy Spirit empowers the disciples, Jesus' first followers, to go out into the streets and proclaim the good news of Jesus in languages that they have never spoken before so that people from all over the world could hear the good news of Jesus in their own language and come to believe in Jesus for themselves. The Holy Spirit is what bridged this gap. When everything should have driven those people apart, the Holy Spirit is what brought them together. When everything said that these people should have been driven apart, the Holy Spirit is what brought them all together. The Apostle Paul, who we talked about during our time together last Sunday, put it this way in a letter that he once wrote. Paul says, For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Now what this means is that on the day of Pentecost, it did not matter 
where all of these people had come from. On the day of Pentecost, it did not matter how many different languages this crowd of people spoke. On the day of Pentecost, it did not matter how old or young someone in that crowd was. On the day of Pentecost, it didn't matter what food people liked to eat, what music they liked to listen to, what stories they liked to tell, or what values they held. On the day of Pentecost, the only thing that mattered was that the Holy Spirit So that everyone in that crowd could hear the good news of Jesus for themselves. So that their knowledge of God would grow deeper and their service of God would grow stronger. But what's any of this got to do with us, right? I mean, this story took place about 2,000 years ago. It involves people that none of us ever met. And it happens in a part of the world that most of us have never been to. So what does any of this have to do with us? Well, even though this story takes place a couple thousand years ago, even though it happens in a part of the world that most of us have only ever seen pictures or maybe videos of, what happens in this story, it reminds me a whole lot of the church today. You see, whether you're talking about our individual congregation here at Melbourne Heights or you're talking about the global church, The church is not made up of homogenous people. We're all different. There is diversity inside of the church. We live in different places. We like to eat at different restaurants. We listen to different stations on the radio, and some of y'all are even listening to Christmas music right now. We tell different stories. We value different things. Sometimes, even here in our church, feels like we're lucky that we even speak the same language, right? So from the outside looking in, there's no reason that all of us should ever come together. There's no reason that we should give up our time to come together and worship in the same place. There's no reason that we should give up our time and sit together through a Sunday school lesson or a small group Bible study. There's no reason that we should give up our time to go out and spend a good part of our day on Friday shopping for gifts that are going to benefit kids that we're never even going to meet. When the world looks at us, they can't see a reason that people that are as different as we are should ever come together for anything. But we do. We do. Even though we live in different parts of the city, even though we eat at different places, listen to different music, even though we value different things sometimes, tell different stories, we come together. And we come together because the Holy Spirit draws us together. Because we've seen the Holy Spirit work in our world and work in our lives. We know that the Holy Spirit has changed us and the Holy Spirit is continuing to change us, to help us become more like Jesus. Yeah, the reality is that we live in a world that wants to see division. We live in a world that wants to focus on every kind of label and category that you could possibly imagine. We live in a world that wants to label you or categorize you based on your age, your race, your gender. It wants to categorize you based on your education level, your economic level, the jobs that you have, the places and parts of town that you live in. We live in a world that loves to label and categorize people and to find all of the differences that should drive us apart. But our faith says 
in spite of everything that may drive us apart, there is something greater that should always pull us together. In the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what race you are. In the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter what education level you have or don't have. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what part of the city you live in or if you don't even live in a city at all. In the kingdom of God, all that matters is God's love for us. And on the day of Pentecost, we saw how much God loves us all. On the day of Pentecost, God sent his spirit to descend upon the disciples, to fill the disciples so that they could share God's love for the world that we see in Jesus Christ with the entire world. So we as followers of Jesus need to remember that there's always room for more when it comes to the kingdom of God. The spirit doesn't turn us away. And no matter how many differences or divisions we may see, we can always come together as one. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this time of prayer, we are thankful for the story of what happened on the day of Pentecost, God. Because, God, you know that for a very, very long time, that faith traditions all across the world, including ours, have wanted to draw lines and limitations. We've wanted to categorize people as either being on the inside or the outside. But on the day of Pentecost, God, you showed that there is no border. There are no boundaries to your love. Your good news is for us all. doesn't matter who we are, where we're from, what we've done. You extend the good news for all of us to hear. God, remind us of that as we try to follow you and to become more like you in our lives. Remind us that that your good news, that your love, that your son came for every single one of us. And even though we live in a world where it's really easy to try to find those labels and categories that can divide us, that we are united by something so much greater. You are the one that brings us together. So let us always worship you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.